you're listening to Swinging Down Under, a podcast about the swinging, non-monogamous lifestyle, from two crazy Australians with over four years of lifestyle antics to keep you entertained, informed, angry, happy and horny. Join our international swinging adventures. And welcome. I'm C, crazy female Australian Sheila and believer of all things love, balance and sexy times. And this is Dee. I'll be doing my best to keep the dad jokes to a minimum, which is probably going to be highly unlikely. Along with that, I'll keep C in check where I can. Did I mention I'm a pilot? We'll be your podcast host for today, so sit back and enjoy the sweet, sweet melodies. G'day guys and welcome to episode 90. Hey Daryl, what's the star date? Uh, 107. I just want to, we've jumped, jumped forward, is that how it works? Well, yeah, that's how start dates work. That's how start dates work. So thanks for joining us today, guys. Uh, today is all about bo- body positivity, but from a man's perspective. You excited about this one, D? I'm always excited. You really like the term excited. I do you like the, the term excited. excited all the time. I do, because I'm an excitable kind of gal. Yeah. That's a really old term, isn't it? Yeah. Gal. I'm excited by the fact that the way you're sitting, I can I see your vagina. You can see my JJ. Hey, so Daryl actually did a podcast, gosh, I don't know, like what, two years back about... Um, Male grooming and stuff, right? Gosh, yes, I did. <laughs> I'm pulling out all the oldies today. Yes. Uh, so go and check that one out too. But what we're going to be talking about today... That was Stardate 12. <laughs> was it? <laughs> is, is male uh, body positivity. But we're going to focus a little bit on, on penis size, on erectile dysfunction and all those kinds of things. I'm going to interview... Maybe just on penis. Just on penis. We're going to just talk about cock, right? Yep. You love the cock. I do. So before we get into that, we actually have um, a bunch of guys coming up after we talk to Daryl. So we have seven people in total. The first up is actually Mr. H from the Bedhoppers podcast. Now, Daryl and Mr. H, Mr. H were actually supposed to record this whilst they were here visiting from London. And then you became patient zero, right? What? You got sick, remember, and you couldn't record. Don't remember. You don't remember at all. So oh, I do remember, yeah. I was in bed for like the whole day. You were, you were. I slept basically all day. So we've had Mr. H send through his audio, so we'll listen to Slept that. Slept and masturbated. No, you didn't. Oh, you probably did, actually. You get horny when you're sick. It's real weird. Yes. That can probably be something we can add to the, to the penis discussions. What? That you Getting get hard horny. and horny when you're sick. Yeah. I mean, this just is to, the penis con- discussion. I feel like we've just added just it. Just to see if anybody else out there feels the same way. Yeah, I get really horny when I'm sick. Yeah. Or tired. If I'm really tired, right. I get or horny angry. as well. No, not angry no. so much. Okay. No, the anger normally comes because of the tiredness or the sickness. I see. It's coincidental rather than, you know, a driver. Okay. So we have Mr. H from Bedhoppers coming up. And then after that, we have six gentlemen who have sent their thoughts on, on body image and on, you know, being the lifestyle as a man and, and cock, etc. So just a shout out. Thank you to Brad from The Guardian Gent. Uh, we've got C from, uh, that's USA C. So C that uh, is the USA version of uh, C&D here. Uh, Jay from Southern Cali. We've got Rob St. Louis. He's got a dad bod. Uh, Zach from Alabama. And who knows from the Western US area. Daryl, are you ready? Good to go. Okay, good to go. Um, let's talk about or your... Or as they say, GTG. <laughs> or DTF in this nah, case. Nah, not DTF. So I actually, Craziness. I did a little bit of research and the British Journal of Urology uh, interviewed wow. 15,000 men. I know, right? Fucking hell. 15,000 men. We're in deep right off the, right <laughs> off the kick. Um, so six, six inches is actually in the 95th percentile. Did you know that? Yes. And five inches is actually the, the global average or more, more appropriately the average for men in the United States. Did you know that as well? Yes. How did you know that? Probably through reading the same study you did. 
No, but I'm I'm trying to lend you to the fact that ha- ha- when did you first start measuring your cock and kind of comparing well, yourself I mean, to you other? Well, I mean, you should have just asked that question. I was waiting for you to say, "Well, when I was ten. Well, when I mean, start? for starters, we're doing it in inches. You know, we're, this is a metric show, so we need to get back to that. Oh, I don't know what the conversion on that is because I read it. You don't even know what six inches is, though. Oh, move on, move on, ma'am. When did you first start uh, measuring your cock? Uh, from the first time I saw it, I'm pretty sure when I fell when I when my mother squeezed me out. The first thing I did was put a tape measure beside my cock. Is a tape measure be- better than a ruler? Um, no, only for accuracy standpoint. I'm just, I'm just curious. Well, I mean, tape measures can't cut you, so you know, you've got to be careful of that. You okay. don't want to get a nick in the side of your cock because of a tape measure incident. So you, you measured yourself quite young, and then when you were at school, did you start comparing yourself to others? Um, I mean, because you went to you went to an all boys school at one point, right? Yeah, but that was later on. That was after. That was post post pubescent. But yes, uh, I think you generally run into. Well, I mean, the first comparison you make is with your father because you see him all the time. Oh, well, I, even, I did. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, so you know that's generally the first comparison you make. Hmm. Okay, and, and then it's like a baby's thumb. <laughs> By your, comparison. Your dad's or yours? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm no not comment. Gonna, I'm not going to speak no to the, my dad's penis now. I don't well, what, about, what about when you're at boys' school, so you're older and you're post-pubescent? Did you compare yourself to others then as well? Yes, I think there's a there's a life of constant comparison. So anytime you see a penis, you're going to compare yourself to it. It's a natural, it's a natural thing. And so now in the lifestyle, when you're in a room naked with other guys... Do you do you compare? Do you not compare? I think it's do you compare be- length, size, it's probably girth? become less so once getting into the lifestyle because one of the things that I've learned is that after being in here is that it 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 doesn't really have to matter. It can matter, but that's up to the guy. It doesn't really have to matter though, if provided he's willing to put in some effort on uh, either foreplay or. Other other modes of sexual gratification, rather than purely penetrative, then it doesn't matter as much. I think we can have just as much fun without a penis being involved. So, with that in mind, no. The only time it's really of any interest to me, and this is probably just freakish by nature, is when it's just a massive cock. Yeah, why is that? I think I we, we've spoken freaki- about it before. Freakish. I need to. Sorry, yeah, I, I don't think that's a, I, need, I think yeah. it's just more of a sexual interest of yours. Uh, no, it's not a sexual interest. It's just a, 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 you know, a huge cock is something that's just interesting. Not sexual, not necessarily sexually interesting. I'm always curious. Well, are they a grower or a shower? For those of you who don't know, which I think pretty much everyone would who's listening to this. But just in case you don't, um, I, uh, sorry, a grower is somebody who may exhibit a small penis when flaccid and then it grows into a much larger penis and there are some significant growers out there. Yeah, that surpri- has been surprising for me actually, seeing people and then and then all of a sudden there's a bit of blood flow down there and it's like, what the hell just happened? Yeah, so, a, 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 you know, I've seen a, a grower go from, you know, an inch and a half to 12 inches. So that's... to defy the laws of physics. Yeah, it? and then there's, of course, there's a shower who's somebody who, who has a huge cock when flaccid as well. All right. Or, a bit, or a, there, there, there's not a great deal of difference between their, their flaccid and erect penis size. 
So seeing as you're not really comparing your size to other people in the room and you've probably changed a little bit since joining the lifestyle, what about people's performance? I think, I think you've missed an important thing. There. Size is maybe not a comparison, but certainly shape is something that okay. that I'd be – well, I certainly take second glances at depending on what – Can you explain that to me? Well, as I somebody mean, who doesn't own a cock, explain, explain comparing shapes. Well, it's I – know, I know through through study that there's not a great – deal of men out there that have a for example a, a dead eye dick straight penis okay so is that is that the professional terminology yeah, dead eye dick, dead okay. dick. yeah so when when i see somebody who's got a straight penis that's kind of interesting to me also the way the penis falls when erect so um it's a very small percentage of men whose penis is hard up against their stomach when they're erect. So is this? So you're talking about seeing a, a large penis gets like a really large penis gets your piques your interest a little bit. Seeing a, a, sh- a straight penis because it's rare. So is this all about not seeing these as common? And so when that you see them, it's like holy hell, that's a little bit different. Kind of like a um, Audi belly button a little bit. No, it's kind of a perverse, just a perverse interest because of the reading I've done on on penises in terms of their shape and size and and um, the way they fall. So like seeing somebody with green or purple eyes yeah, kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, yes, for those of you out there who don't re- realise, purple eyes is actually a thing. <laughs> and it's only very, very small. It's like 0.01 of a p- percent or something stupid. So did you know that there are seven distinct penis shapes that a man can have? Um, are we including curves or are we just talking about mushroom head? Ah, good question. I'm going to read them. Uh, the pencil... Long and uh, uniform growth, uh, the capsicum, the cone, and there's a nice picture of an ice cream cone there, the banana, which is bendy, the hammer, what's this? Uh, let me see. Narrow base widened to a very wide gland. There you go. Mm-hmm. The sausage. These are really, really funny little pictures that I, that's on this website too. I might put the little uh, link up here. The cucumber. That's the seven. And the cucumber cool. is has uh, lumps all over it? as thick all the way around and as a de- decent length. Thicker than the usual penis and usually five to eight inches bracket. Mm. There you go. There you go. The so seven, seven different uh, shapes, penis shapes. Wow. No, I didn't categorise them into seven different <laughs> shapes. I don't think I've seen all seven, actually, now that you mention it. You don't reckon you have? No. What's the most common that you think you see? Uh, probably the banana. The banana? Yeah. Okay. Well, most men have a curve to their penis, depending on which way they've dressed in their underwear for their, the entirety of their life. So do you swap or do you, you does dress, it sit on the same side every day? Are you crazy? I'm asking the question. I'm That's curious. That's insanity. Every man out there right now is going, Kate is being fucking ludicrous. Well, we swap sides of the bed every couple of weeks. I'm yeah. curious whether you swap sides of no, the trousers. not ever. Why does that not get to swap sides? Because penises live on one side of the pants. But why? Because that's how penises work. Uh, that does not, that's, not a, that's not an appropriate argument. I wasn't having an argument. <laughs> I was making a, You're making a fact. statement of fact. <laughs> Penises, penises like one side. That's All where right. they hang out. So shape and size, you don't really. You, you tend to not look at uh, size, but you might glance at shape. But otherwise, you're not really concerned or looking at that very much. No, I don't think so. I, I think, I, I think it probably helps that I'm happy with my size after seeing what other guys have out there, and happy with my shape. And you know, there's nothing too untoward in terms of what I have versus the stereotypical normal penis okay yeah let's talk then about um performance and refractory period and and why don't we talk about first foreskins or not oh yeah okay go on because 
you know, th- there's a, certainly a preference out there amongst some ladies as to whether a guy has a foreskin or not. That is true. And it's also, based on different countries and cultural yeah, backgrounds absolutely. too. And there's also a – so the US is the highest circumcision rate in the world, um, followed by Australia. Has that, hasn't that changed though? I thought that was changed. By what? Like now, I thought that... No, um, I think Australia's now dropping because uh, doctors won't do it in Australia anymore because of the concerns about, you know, long-term mental anguish from being circumcised. So there's less and less in Australia now, but it was it was highly common. Okay, so I'm looking here, it says... Um, it's declined from 83% of, this is in, in the US, 83% of men in the 1960s to 77% in 2010. Yeah, I think Australia has a much steeper decline than that over the last 10 years. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. And it says here that the World Health Organization estimates that the overall male circumcision rate in the States, again, is somewhere between 76%, uh, whereas in most European countries, it's less than 20%. Yeah. So you're more likely to see... Uh, foreskins uh, in in European countries now. No way. This is interesting. That's though, a big surprise to me because Not. I have met you know spoken to a lot of ladies in the lifestyle in the US, and um, I think I may even recall it was Paige from Swinger Diaries once said that she wanted to play with somebody who had a foreskin. Now that baffled me. It baffled me because I've seen so many in my lifetime that I was like, how have you not played with somebody who's got a foreskin? You know that, and you're in the lifestyle and you see a lot of different penises. Um, and I guess yeah, because in the US it's so high, whereas down in Australia, we have you know just such a diverse. That's not true. It's you know, quite reckon. high in Australia as well. Then why do I see so many foreskins in Australia? I thought it would have been because of our diversity and the people that you know, um, immig- you know, move there. How to many Australia. foreskins have you seen in Australia? I, I would say the majority of men you've been with in Australia were circumcised. I would say I would say fifty percent have foreskins here in Singapore yeah, when okay. we've been travelling around Asia because there's so many European cultures. I would have said eighty percent have foreskins. Yeah, okay. So, so reigns true with what the stats are. Yeah. So 50%, so a whole, you know, 30% less than the 80% that you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. It's, uh, it's crazy. So what are your thoughts on foreskins? Um, well, I've got a few. Well, I've never had one for starters. Well, I did. Well, you did have one. I did have one. Yeah, one. But, uh, Science. After, after I measured it, <laughs> it got shorter very quickly. Uh-huh. Um, when did you get it lopped off? I don't fucking know. <laughs> oh, thank fuck I wasn't awake for that. <laughs> God damn. That's not something you want to be involved in. Did your mum keep it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. She's got it on a set of earrings. Hey, some people ha- do keep it. Yeah, no, and they it's like It's like taped into the baby book. Yeah, no, they don't do yeah, that. Yeah, they do. No, people don't do that. They might keep the afterbirth. All right, so tell us about your foreskin. I don't have one. <laughs> so uh, what I find interesting, though, is there's a lot of discussion amongst men around whether there's more sensitivity or less sensitivity with or without a foreskin. Now, I've got a sample size of N equals 2. So I know two guys that have had a adult foreskin removal due to, due to damage done to the foreskin, which, um, you know, when it's scarred, it's scarred tighter, and every time they got an erection, they basically tore their foreskin. So I've got two guys that I know that have been through surgery to have it removed in adulthood, and both have had sex pre and post. And both of them have told me that they've, they believe there was really no difference between the, two, between the two sensations, whether it was with or without the foreskin. So that's good, I suppose, for me. Given I've never had sex with a foreskin, it means that I'm not missing out on anything. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's 
it's only a small set, of course, of data that I'm using. So, and I know I have read some articles on the fact that there there is a belief that there's a significant amount of of nerve endings removed as well. But I think, well, certainly in my experience and most of the men I've spoken to, the majority of the the majority of the sensation during sex or masturbation comes from the head of the penis rather than the shaft. And given the foreskin's more shafty than heady, I would uh, probably support the fact that it wouldn't make a whole huge amount of difference. Okay. What about uh, performance and uh, refractory period? Pre and post lifestyle, like obviously thinking about this coming into it and then what you've learned or discovered post being the lifestyle or what you think about it now? Well, performance is... I don't think it can be measured by penis uh, because different situations, different things can make a great deal of difference to a man's potential for for gaining or sustaining an erection. So whether it's in or out of the lifestyle doesn't really matter. I, th- I think uh, people suffer the same concerns in or out of the lifestyle. The only difference is when you're with your long-term partner, if you want to call it that, or your significant other, typically it's a little easier to uh, to maintain an erection purely just because you know you know you know they know the right things to do to keep you that way I suppose would be the best way to put it so I think that in or out of the lifestyle performance is 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 can be and is an issue for some men um, and I would say that it's a higher percentile group than is actively portrayed in the stats only because in my my experience of of that and the conversations I've had with both friends and, and also lifestyle uh, guys along the way, it appears that a lot of erectile dysfunction or a lot of issues around sustaining or maintaining, sorry, getting or maintaining an erection is mentally driven and I think guys are still quite embarrassed by it because not being able to sustain an erection is something that's seen as almost a... a Taking away from your masculinity yeah, a little absolutely. bit. Yeah, absolutely. So with that in mind, I think the reported numbers are What do you think the reported numbers are? Lower, lower. The reported number of issue of... People that actually... So erectile dysfunction prevalence, say, in the United States, I what do you think the reported numbers are? I think it was, are? it was like 30% or something like that, the reported It's actually number. 50. Yeah, 52. Okay. So a study of in Massachusetts here, um, a male yeah, aging study, you, actually. It's one It's one study, though. There's multiples of yeah, studies I'm on sure, this. yeah, there is. But this one says that it's um, around about 52% on average. And um, as you hit uh, older in your life, so 70% of men are later affected at the age of 70. Yeah. So. Yeah. And you're right. That's I think not really a surprise because the hormones that drive the, the erection also dissipate, dissipate as you get older, age. unless you do something about that through hormone replacement therapy. Why do you think there is a stigma about um, erectile dysfunction or, uh, you know, just having trouble, as you say, it might not even actually be diagnosed as uh, ED. It could just be that, you know, you've been overwhelmed or, you know, there's been a lot happening or you've drunk too I don't much think or whatever. A, I don't think there's a stigma. I think it's more that. Uh, people have the expectation that sex finishes with penetration and that doesn't have to be the case. Do you think there's a stigma around taking um, medication to help help you with that? You know, yeah, whether absolutely. It... People still whisper about Viagra. Okay. And Do you want to shout it? Well, I mean, I've got some. David, six in the morning. Let's shout Viagra. Ready? One, two, three. Viagra! Just me? Yeah, just you. Thanks, babe. 
No problem. <laughs> Next door neighbours love us, by the yeah, way. Yeah, so the um, – look, I, I think there is still a stigma. I think the idea of for men of going to their doctor and asking for uh, some supplements is something that is still not as common as if they would – if they had a cold to go and – you know, had a flu that to go and get some some pills to deal with that. Men would um, – my belief and my experience is that men are less common to do that than they would be for any other problem. Ailment. So yeah. how, how do you think, though, that you, being a guy, could help those other men actually just take take that stigma away and go, you know what, it is part of oh, life. I just talk about Viagra openly. You're just talking about it yeah, openly. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the I don't see any reason why and, – and this goes out to the ladies as well. If there's something, If there's something that can help with your – sexual gratification and performance mm-hmm. and help your partner experience good sex and keep your sex life happy with happy and healthy between you and your partner then and it comes in pill form i, I and it doesn't have a lot of side effects then i i say go for it yeah. i mean this is something that's keeping keeping your life and, and let's be honest even outside of the swinging lifestyle or any sexual lifestyle, sex is still an important aspect to any relationship. Yeah, carries you a lot know. of intimacy with it. And Absolutely, yeah. and, and and sex is defined in so many different ways. It doesn't have to include an erect penis. Okay. So, but I, I would say if you can find it, if you can find something that helps with your sex life, fucking go after it. Go and do it. Okay. Um, before we wrap up and head out to the other to Mister H and the six gentlemen that uh, have lovingly sent us in some audio. I just want to pause and just can we talk a little bit about your body image just really briefly? Um, can we talk about your body image before you went into the lifestyle and then your body image now that you've been in the lifestyle? Is there any difference? How do you feel about it? I don't think my body image has changed pre and post. And I think that's probably a lot. It's due to the fact that men typically don't receive compliments in or out of the lifestyle. It's really uncommon for a lady or a guy to give a body compliment to a man. Ladies, it's time to step up. You're all giving each other really good compliments and I'm very proud. Proud sounds really quite terrible. I'm fucking mansplaining this right now. Um, <laughs> mansplaining body image. Yeah, so I, I would say that women are, the ladies are doing a much better job in the lifestyle of actually talking about each other's bodies. Propping each other up. And propping each other up. Yeah. But I think there's an awful lot of men out there that, that would happily accept that as well and... I don't think there's enough of it happening. And I don't think there's really any men saying that other men look good, which is something that I've personally set a vendetta against to mm-hmm. try and change. And, and I will compliment men, uh, all, all aspects of their body, including their cock, which does freak some people out. I'm sure it does, but, yeah. You know, guys, if you if you get a, hey, nice cock from me, just... Just say thank you and, and cheers, mate. And yeah, cheers, yeah, cheers, on. bro, and get on. Hey, uh, the question though, you've always been pretty confident, right, in the lifestyle. Like, we'll go to events and you'll actively say to me as we're walking out the door, like, I fucking look good. I'm happy with how I look. Whereas, <laughs> in, in contrast, eighty percent, I would say, um, you know, and that's an overarching just my experience, but of women have serious body concerns in the lifestyle. You know, they're really worried about I how they look in dresses. Body concerns as well. So, well, tell me about that then. How come? How come you can walk out the door and say I fucking look good, and then you've got all these women who, you know, are almost almost uh, debilitated by the fact that they're worried that there's a little bit of muffin top in their dress. I think, uh, for starters, men don't see as much exposure to the male 
the perfect male form as it's represented by the media throughout life, right? We don't see as much of that because typically sex sex sells, you know, we all know that. So but typically the sex sells bit is the is women. You know, it's the the curvy shape Oh, sorry, the hourglass shape, not not the curvy shape. It's generally the hourglass shape with um, tit tit and ass. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's what s- sells. Whereas the dad body is becoming more um, more prevalent in in media and that. Sort of well, stuff I think now. I, I think the I think the dad bod has always been part of of media all the way through. I mean, even if you go back to the fifties and sixties, you know, where ladies were curvier, the guys were still not. Thin, they were still bigger, you know, generally bigger guys. So, I think there's a lot more exposure for for women to that, which probably helps drive that that issue. For me, though, look, I, of course, I've got body image. Uh, I've, I've got things that upset me every time I look in the mirror. There, there's nobody out there, I think, that can say that they're happy with it. and understanding. We've met some fucking real actual models along the way who still have problems with parts of their body. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no... I don't think there's too many people out there that don't have an issue with some part of their with some part of their body. So, you know, for me, yeah, certainly there's some things that I wish I could change. There's some things that I know I can't change that, that will always be there. And, and that's unfortunately just a part of having a body shape that, that is what you were given from birth, you know. Um, there's certainly... There's men out there that are straight up and down. There's men out there that are that have a pear shape or a, a top heavy as well, very similar to what you see in ladies. And it just depends on whether they've dealt with that and moved on. And I don't think anyone really ever does. It's just a matter of putting. For me, when I go to an event, I put on the mask. You've got to. You've got to. If there's one thing that I've learned on my way through life, is one draw card for ladies, and that's a man with confidence. All right. Well, hey, let's um, let's roll out to Mr. H and Bedhoppers, and then the um, awesome six gentlemen. Any other last thoughts before we move on to the other guys about body or cock or anything else? No. All right. Well, thanks for uh, you know letting me interview you today, D. I really appreciate you coming on the Swinging Down Under podcast. Yeah, no problem. I'm happy to uh, as long as you continue to show that vagina off like you are right now. <laughs> I'm uh, sorry. I'm, I'm more than happy to to come on in. I mean, the only issue for me right now is you still have your top on. So, you know, if we can deal with that. Yeah, I'm shirt pussing it in a way. You are shirt pussing it. <laughs> All right, guys, let's uh, let's head into the uh, audio snippets now. But uh, thank you again for everybody for listening. And uh, I'll be back after we hear from the lovely gentleman. Thank you. Hey there, it's Mr. H from the Bed Hoppers podcast here. Kate and Daryl asked me to jump on their show to talk a little bit about body confidence and a bit about my journey in terms of how I feel about myself. To do that, I think the best place to start is right at the beginning. No, no, not when I was born. That's going back a little bit too far for you guys. But actually, going back to the very first conversation we had about joining the lifestyle. When Mrs H brought it up, I literally shit myself. Well, maybe not literally, but I did throw a bit of a hissy fit about it. The first thought, holy crap, I'm really jealous someone else is going to get to play with Mrs H. Second thought, I am in no way good enough for anybody else. I am in bad shape. I'm a bad person. I have no skills. I bring nothing to the table. Um, You might say that I had a little bit of a meltdown. And in fact, I've always been a little bit underconfident about the way I am, despite this wonderfully calm, chatty exterior. 
inside there's always been a horrible little gremlin la 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 sorry let me put him back in um there's always been a horrible little gremlin that that has been poking at my side about the things that i don't like about myself and the things that i worry about in fact you might say i'm a bit of an over worrier when i started to note down what i was genuinely concerned about the list got a little bit too long am i too short for people uh what about my sexual performance is that going to be okay what if i never satisfy somebody else what if i'm not good what what about if i don't get a hard on um even though that's never actually happened but what if it did what about if i come too soon what about if my hair's not right what about if my beard's not beardy enough all this stuff popped into my head what if i'm too fucking chunky all of these neuroses swirled around in my head for weeks and weeks and weeks And it wasn't until I started to think about a previous conversation that I had with Mrs. H that I really started to understand how I needed to overcome it. In fact, one of the things that we'd had uh, going back a long time ago was a discussion about numbers. Now, it's never a good situation, the numbers conversation, or at least it wasn't for me. Turns out the Mrs. H's number is significantly higher than mine by a multitude. No, 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 it's fine. I've I've managed to learn, learn and live with it. But actually, when we had that first conversation, I felt really inadequate. Not because that she'd had all these adventures, although they did play a little bit into earlier Mr. H's head. It was actually, how was, how was I going to be able to satisfy someone that's had that many lovers? And bonus points for the term lovers. Uh, well, I've only had a few. In fact, probably the amount that you could count on one hand. Maybe one or two fingers, actually, if you're lucky. And I started to realise that I bring a lot to the table. I started to realise that Mrs H loved me for who I am. Well, she still does, one hopes anyway. And all the other things that she's taught me since that point, of course. But I started to realise that really, I bring something to the table too. And if I could bring something to the table for Mrs H, I could actually bring something to the table for everybody else. Now, of course, there were things that I could do to improve myself, to make myself a better person for my own sake. So I started hitting the gym a little bit more. I'm still a bit chunky, but I'm getting there. I feel like I am anyway. It's a constant battle. Uh, Where did that sandwich go? Um, And I also felt that I could present myself better. So I started looking into how to dress slightly better. Um, It's not a massive step, to be fair. I haven't really changed that much. My fashion sense hasn't really improved in that great a detail. But I did start to work about it and think about it much more consciously. I also thought about and, and read lots more about sex. In fact, the whole concept got me really interested in learning much more. So books like She Comes First and all the other wonderful resources out there became my first-hand Bible. So I've always been interested, but I never researched truly like this. So I started to find myself doing more and more to make myself a better person for both me and for Mrs. H. And I started to realise that if I can present my best self for that perspective, actually I'm presenting my best self for everybody else. Now all of those worries, they were still there when we started to meet people. They were still in the back of my head. But actually, as we met more and more people, they started to melt away. Because we found out that everybody else is just like everybody else. Everyone has their own worries, their own concerns. They've all got their own little moments. Well, most people do. I mean, no one's truly as egotistical as I am, perhaps. Or as fakely egotistical as I am. But as we talked to more people, we found that they had the same problems or the same issues. In fact, we've met stunning people. Absolutely, insanely beautiful people. And they had the same worries. They never felt they were good enough. They never felt they were beautiful enough. They always felt that they could perform better. There was more they could do. And that was very humanising. And actually, desire was a really good point of this. 
for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. Both Mrs H and I practically shit ourselves every day about how good we thought we should have been looking, but actually weren't. But you know what? Despite the months of gym gym use, uh, actually not that many months, probably a quick couple of weeks beforehand actually, when we turned up, everybody was really, really human. And we felt really at place there, really at ease, and everybody made us feel welcome. And despite our own worries about ourselves, actually we managed to get over quite a lot. Now does that mean we've changed the way that we feel, or I've changed the way I feel all the time? Perhaps a little bit. There still is a nagging feeling in the back of my head about how I'm going to do, or how people are going to perceive me. But actually, you know what? I try and own it as much as I can. And that's been my journey. To try and be the best me that I can be for me. But if people don't like what I present, if they don't like what I do, then tough shit, they can fuck off. Anyway, I don't know if that helps you at all. I hope it has. But if not, I can always listen it back, listen back to it myself, and hopefully it'll help me. Thanks. G'day guys, my name's Brad Payne and I'm the owner and operator of Guardian Gent here in Canberra. A Guardian Gent's a support network for blokes. I help guys with style, grooming, communication skills, but most importantly, emotional support. Now working in the field that I do, obviously, uh, body image comes up all the time. I'm dressing men, I'm helping them with their looks. And this could be a challenge for blokes, especially in the sensitive world that we live in as swingers. Now, I myself are a member of this community, and I remember the first time that I went into a swingers club up in Sydney. I was terrified. I've lived my entire life dealing with bigorexia, a condition where I'm never enough. I'm never big enough. I'm never strong enough. I'm never masculine enough. Now, as somebody, if you'd ever seen me at six foot three, 130 kilos, strong man, bearded, tattooed, I show as a hyper-masculine, very confident man, but inside, I'm scared a lot of the time. And I've used this to create my business, to help other men, to push past those boundaries of body image and the fear of not being enough. Now, body image for blokes is something that is only just scratching the surface or only just implementing um, the idea that men struggle with this. Now, I'm developing school programs at the moment to help young boys to look away from Instagram, to look away from that archetype of the perfect body type. Now, I'm here to help any man. I want to walk through this path with you. I want to help in any way that I can through my experience or others that I talk to. There's a couple of things you can do to get around body image. One of them is to see someone like myself, a stylist. They can help you dress in a way that makes you feel more confident to put on your armor, to walk forward, to take that step, to go into the room feeling as confident as you can. Because that one experience of you walking into that room the first time, scared shitless but wearing your armor, you'll realize that everyone's in the same boat. They're all there. They're all thinking, what if I'm not enough? What if I'm the small guy in the room? Now, blokes, will know as a young man, there's two things that we are told as an insult, and that is you're fat or you got a little dick. And we all think about it. In this situation, in this world that we live in, the little community that we have grown as a swingers, having a small dick is terrifying because it's a standard in which we're all held to. Every man is all held to the same standard. Now, I want to leave you with a saying. This one is really close to my heart. It's on the back of my business cards and rings true to me every day. It is a knight in shining armor. It's just a man that has never had his metal truly tested. Now, this is important for me for two reasons. One, for the men themselves to realize 
that your scars are important. The things that make you you, someone might be looking for, and you don't know until you put yourself out there. And for everybody else, stop looking for the knight in shining armour. He doesn't exist. He's not there for you. But who is? The men that have fought, the men that have those scars, the men that have those securities. They might just be a, st a stabilising part of your relationship. They might just be what you're looking for in a dom or a sub. So I give it to you. Go out and look for the scarred guy. Perfection is a lie. Now I'm Brad Payne from Guardian Gent here in Canberra. If you want to get in touch, I've got my Instagram and Facebook. You can call me anytime, get in touch anytime, and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. It's Guardian underscore Gent on all social media. Have a great weekend. So I would say that my self-image has certainly been influenced by my personal relationships. I'm 35, and I've been in the lifestyle for only about six months. I've been married to my wife for almost 12 years, and we've been together for about 17. Since I never really did the dating thing, I never really worried too much about what I looked like. When I was young, I enjoyed making a statement in my appearance, but as I grew up, I had to conform for work, and my body was hidden behind suits and ties. At the same time, I was with my wife, and she was always complimentary of my looks, and I told myself that as long as she was happy, I didn't really care. So looking back, I realized that I was lying to myself. I had started avoiding mirrors in situations where I would be less clothed, like, you know, at the beach or the pool, because I'd be comparing myself to other men and I was embarrassed. I think that I felt if I avoided admitting that I didn't find myself attractive, I wouldn't have to change myself. So as we just started discussing the lifestyle, I realized new people would be looking at me, and I found that I was way more critical about my appearance than I had ever been. The idea that someone else would be judging me gave me some external motivation that I never had before. I found myself working out more, eating less, shaving my body more, and otherwise trying to improve my quality of life solely to impress strangers. That said, in, in meeting people, I've honestly never felt judged. Uh, more often, I feel support when I tell people that I'm trying to improve myself. I try to let others serve as motivators, but not let the pressure of failure, so to speak, get to me. I will say it was kind of weird at first that I was doing things like shaving that I typically hadn't done for my wife. I felt some sort of un unsubstantiated guilt. Um, what helped was that we were both doing similar self-improvement, and it made me feel like we were more of a team, trying to make ourselves better rather than uh, just me working. I will also say that feeling better about myself has made our sex life as a couple much better. And having more self-confidence has made me feel more comfortable in letting my wife share her fantasies and desires. Another impact that physical self-confidence has had is that I'm much more outgoing when it comes to being who I really am. I'm relatively nerdy, and I'm into science and board games and movies and, and all that stuff. And about a year ago, I would say that when I met new people, I would find something that they were interested in and talk about that. I didn't want to be the weird one. Uh, but now that I'm more confident, I'm more likely to be upfront about who I am, and then people can decide if they like me or not. As my relationship with my wife has become even stronger due to the lifestyle, it has allowed me to worry much less about what others think of me, and that, ironically, has allowed me to find people that I'm incredibly close with. Uh, and I think it's because we have deeper connections and conversations because we're all being genuine rather than just talking about what I think they're interested in. Um, as far as penis size, much like my body image, I never really felt a need to worry about it, research, or, or otherwise question it. Uh, but once we entered the lifestyle, I felt that concern creep in. 
uh, but I really didn't know what to do about it. So listening to the podcast and having conversations with my wife about what size means and the pros and cons and all that uh, did help squash some of those fears. But I will say that every time we start play with a new couple, uh, it is in the back of my mind. Uh, But that said, I think I'm more concerned about performance than size because I believe that performance is something that I can control. Um, I never had any performance issues before this, but as our lifestyle play sessions have tended to be longer than our play sessions at home, I guess I'm just not used to staying hard for so long without coming. Uh, Well, depending on the play session, I feel that I either come too fast or I lose my erection or or something. Uh, I guess, you know... Uh, So I will say that hearing from so many other men that performance issues are normal kind of helped me the first time that I experienced it. But I still do feel bad when I have to ask my wife or the other lady to slow down or just stop entirely. I typically try to switch focus on her or change positions, uh, but I do spend some time wondering if she thinks that I'm stopping focus on her for me because it's not good. It's often just the opposite, but that's kind of awkward to convey. Hi, Daryl. My name is Jay from Southern California. I'm 56 years old. We've been married for 32 years and in the lifestyle for just over six years. And what a six years those have been for my self-confidence and body image. Our experiences in the lifestyle are almost exclusively around our time at Sea Mountain Inn or SMI. Since it's a nude resort, you get comfortable real fast with walking around naked. Now, I grew up as a tall, scrawny kid. I've never been the athletic type, so I just didn't have the washboard abs or big muscles. And it was hard not to notice those guys who were cut, especially when the girls are drooling over them. But at SMI, the guys and girls are all types and sizes, and quite frankly, no one cares. Or at least, they're quiet about it. It was here that I first realized that I was okay in the penis size category. Talking about penis size is surprisingly difficult because I'm larger than average. How do you talk about this without sounding like a jerk? You see, I never realized until entering the lifestyle that I was large. I got married young and had little experience before. I really had no idea what was average. But since entering the lifestyle, I would get compliments. So, yeah, I measured, looked up the global averages... But I also know now that it's relatively meaningless when compared to how I relate to the ladies and how I treat them. I think it's the same as a ripped body. It may get you a second look, but your attitude is what's really important. Another point about a resort like SMI, you see every variation of grooming for guys. I go with the shaved boys and shaft and trimmed above. Some guys can carry the fully shaved look, but I just end up looking like a tall boy. Not very good. The lifestyle has also let me know in the most unkind way that a big cock doesn't mean anything if it's sleeping on the job. That happened a couple of times with friends, so now I take generic Viagra if needed. For me, it's almost for the big head rather than the little one. I think of the meds as a kind of a security blanket. I don't have to worry about staying hard, and that lets me stay in the moment. But the best thing about the lifestyle is my appreciation for a woman who can carry a conversation. There is nothing sexier than being able to talk with a woman, get to know them, have them get to know you, and then develop a relationship. That's the key.
Thanks for this discussion. I hope this helps. Hello, I'm Rob, and I'm from St. Louis, 38 years old. And as far as body shape, I would call it dad bod. I have some muscle, but it's hidden. I'm six foot, 230 pounds, so it's closer to a keg than a six-pack in the stomach area. I wouldn't say that I worried too much about it before getting into the lifestyle. It bothered me at times, but for the most part, I just accepted it as it was easier than fixing it. I've recently started to put more effort into not overdoing the calories, but not so much what I would call a diet. I have plans to be more active and start using the treadmill this summer. I don't really compare myself to others. I just think that I don't look very sexy when we watch the video we just made or I go to send a picture online. So that's motivating me to put in some more effort and to try and be sexier for my wife and for the lifestyle by proxy. Penis size is something that every guy probably wants to change at some point in his life. The topic of body shape plays a factor in presentation as well. The mons pubis, the area directly above the penis, seems to be where I also store fat. So the visual presentation is less than what is felt. So proper measuring technique of bone press uh, puts me at about six and a quarter inches in length and four and three quarters around the shaft and around five inches around the glands. As a grower, under the right circumstances, I only have about a half inch showing before the glands. I have looked up the averages, and I'm actually above most of the averages I could find. Looking down at it does make it seem smaller than a photo or a video, and on top of all that, my hand is way bigger than some petite porn star, so it skews the idea of how I might see and compare. Overall, it does not stop me from doing anything or made me feel inadequate. I think that any longer and it would probably make for a smaller pool of women who would actually enjoy to receive all of it. There are size queens out there, but a lot more women don't want to bruise cervix. So far, I've not had any issues getting hard. I can say as the years go by, I might not get as hard as I did in my 20s every time, but so far I have not needed to take any pills. Not to say that I haven't thought about taking one just to see what it's like. You know, for science. As to duration, I am turned on by female pleasure, so the closer she gets, I get. My wife is sensitive to what lube we use and how long of a session we have, so going for longer is not usually on the agenda. If that was the goal, then I'd push myself to the limit, then take a break using a vibrator, fingers, or oral to keep her going until I can calm down a little bit, and then pick things right back up. Usually it's more of an issue of cardio for me. Half the time I'm still hard after I ejaculate, so I could just keep going if it isn't going to make her sore. As to the lifestyle, we've only done parallel play so far, but again, I'm willing to do what makes a lady happy, and that makes me happy. Body hair has always been a struggle for me. I always joke that I'm always wearing my man sweater. I don't really remove any, other than in the genital region. I use a trimmer to make it short, but not prickly, and shave the balls. That has always been my preferred presentation, even before the lifestyle. I've never worried about my own intelligence. I think I'm a pretty smart guy. I didn't go to college, but it was less critical for my career, so I figured I'd save the money. As to what I look for in a play partner, some intelligence is required, just for relatability and shared interests. But so far, as long as I'm enjoying the conversation, it hasn't really seemed to be an issue. Hey guys, this is Zach. I'm 36 years old. My wife and I live in Alabama. We've been married for around 15 years now, and we've been in the lifestyle for going on around eight months. We've had quite a few experiences to this point, um, mainly just with couples, and um, they've all been really great experiences. We've definitely you know, uh, learned a ton about ourselves, and, and that's why I kind of jumped in on these topics because I thought they were really important because I don't know if they're talked about enough 
um, in the lifestyle. I think there's a lot of top, you know, coverage of um, body shape and, and, and those kind of things and confidence with women, but we don't talk enough about it with men when it comes to how we see ourselves physically, how we see our, our penis size, how we see our performance going, those kind of things that just don't get talked about enough because maybe it's that you know typical masculine world where you don't talk about those things. But it really does come up a ton in our conversations post you know playing with another couple or just you know in our journey throughout all this and then how we talk about different things. So I would say definitely body shape is a huge part of my journey. I've actually lost close to 60 pounds over the past nine to 10 months. And so it's been a huge difference in how I see myself and how my wife sees me, how play partners probably see me, I, I hope. But it, it's it's been a nice change in how I emphasize my health because um, I, I definitely worry about it. You look around and there's a lot of good looking guys out there and they have their, you know everything put together and some of them are empty nesters. So have a lot more time to put into those kind of things. And so versus somebody like myself and my wife, we, we have kids and we have extracurricular activities. They kind of pull us away. So it's been a huge emphasis, but trying to find time for that and lifestyle and kids and you know, date nights with your wife and those kind of things, it definitely pulls at you, but it's just got to fall into line with all those other priorities. Funny enough, penis size is definitely one of those things that uh, I have definitely struggled with just in the few months um, in the lifestyle, not because I'm small, you know, but it definitely seems a lot of men are very well uh, endowed. And so it, it can get in your head some if all of a sudden every partner that walks into your room is bigger than you in length or bigger than you in girth or those kind of things. And and so it can definitely get in your head some when you see this happening. Uh, You know, again, I'm not saying I'm, you know, small. I I consider myself pretty average, but it definitely has been a, a something that can get in your head. And so it's something that you should, you know, be mindful of and and know that it's, that really it's not a, if I'm looking at our experiences, size hasn't been an issue when it comes to how we perform with another couple. It really is about the connection and it really is about that woman is willing to give her, you know, give herself to you and, you know, and kind of relax and be in the moment. And same for you is that you're not worrying about size and those kind of things. Performance has definitely been a big topic in our journey. Right out of the gate, our first experience, you know, I had it, I had these you know, overwhelming visual of what was going on in the room. And so for sure had immediate struggles in this, you know, in able to, being able to perform. And so that was an immediate topic that we had to deal with and, and what it meant and, and how to, how to deal with it. So it continued to be kind of part of our journey though, as you grow and relax and, and, and those kind of things, it can definitely get better. But we had an experience with a couple that you know, he basically offered me Viagra and said, hey, look, it happens. To, you know, they've been in the lifestyle for five years. And their point was it happens all the time. And it has nothing to do with the woman. And it actually relaxes you and lets you really fully give yourself to these, you know, to the moment and en- enjoying yourself. And it was a huge difference. It was probably one of the hottest nights we had ever had because I didn't think about it anymore. Again, I'm not saying that's the solution for everybody. But I don't think it's talked about enough. I don't. I think guys are maybe embarrassed that, because that might mean that they have ED or those kind of things. And but really, this isn't 
ED topic. That's a whole different topic. This is just the mental state that you can get in um, when all this is going on around you and the pressure to perform and those kind of things. So I definitely think it's something that should be talked about, whether it's enhancing drugs or whether it's your diet or, you know, those kind of things or things you can do with your own partner um, to stay connected so that if you need help from them and those kind of things. So, I mean, I, I really think all these topics are really good to talk about amongst you and your partner, amongst the people you, you play with. And then on these on, on podcasts like this, it's really important so the guys can maybe drop that level of pride and that and that barrier down and, and get real with people and get real with their partner and get real with the, the couples they're with. And, and that way, everybody enjoys it more. Um, so I really appreciate you all taking on these topics and putting them out there um, so the men can begin to discuss these things and, and the, their wives with them or their partners with them. Thanks, guys. Hi, D. Hi, Mr. H. Longtime listener to both of your guys' podcasts and really enjoy both of them as well as your Twitter. This is Who Knows. I am 46, Asian-American male, married and living in the Western United States. So we're talking about the lifestyle and body shape. That comes into consideration. Um, I don't really worry about body shape per se, but it's an ongoing journey to be fit and healthy. So that's the thing about the lifestyle. It really wants bring out the best you, um, mind, body, and spirit, and that's something that uh, we see as important to us. Uh, early on in life, uh, mostly vanilla life, you know, you get, you're get you younger, you compare yourself, but beyond that now, uh, just trying to get a vision, my own vision of what I want to do and how I'm working towards that goal. You know, uh, part of the body image is uh, penis size as well, uh, and let's Let's be real. Uh, all guys have measured. Um, in the past, there was some worry, but you know, once you realize there's nothing you can do to increase the size or girth, at least safely anyway, so focus on what I can do to provide the best uh, experience for my partner. So, you know, that's a combination of penis, fingers, mouth, touch, conversation, toys, all of those things to... Um, bring enjoyment to uh, the other partner. And, you know, there's anything that's been a barrier has been more mental, uh, you know, in the past, just getting over, just focusing on wanting to see your own partner have a good time. So that in turn, uh, you don't get to enjoy as much. So giving yourself permission, I found has been really important to my own performance. Uh, and, you know, that's how I want to make it enjoyable for, the other partner as well, uh, you know, getting hard and staying hard. That's, uh, it's not the only thing, but it is, you know, it's probably a central part of the play. Um, and if it doesn't happen, it's, it's not a signal of your partner's sexiness or yourself for that matter. But for a guy, it can be a, it can be a head trip. Uh, you know, in one of our experience where I should have used some, Blue pill support, uh, did not, uh, and, you know, just learn from it. And for at least in the, the first sessions do tend to look to use that now. So that's, that's found out to be turned out to be helpful. And in terms of going for a long time, we haven't had that experience that that's been a, a thing. Uh, however, do want to focus on the woman's pleasure, uh, make sure that she, uh, that she comes first. So that's uh, something important. Uh, as mentioned before, you know, you become more 
conscious of yourself and your body and trying to improve yourself. So with that goes uh, the manscaping and taking care of yourself. So uh, I am more conscious now, of regular manscaping, uh, just trying to present the best self for your partner. Another thing in the play scenario and is a question is how important is intelligence? Well, for me, that's a, it's a combination of things, right? It's a physical attractiveness, intelligence, and how, how am I getting along with the other, uh, the other partner? Um, it's, it helps drive, you know, the seeing the intelligence, a person's drive and sensualities. Those are things for me anyway, that I find uh, really sexy. And that just takes it to a new level when we're getting to know each other and talking to a couple. Uh, it can go up and down. You know, you got to start off with the physical attractiveness because that's you. You start talking to them, uh, and then it goes up and down depending on how the interaction goes. So, uh, you know, that's uh, that's my story of you know male body positivity. Thanks a lot, guys. Have a nice one. Bye. Hey guys, and welcome back. So thanks again, everyone, for uh, for bringing your audio and your thoughts and opinions to that podcast. Big special thanks to Mr. H, uh, Brad, the Guardian Gent, uh, C from the USA, Jay from Southern California, Rob from St. Louis, G'day Dad Bod, uh, Zach from Alabama, and who knows from Western US. Really appreciate the fact that you guys are sending through your thoughts and opinions. I think having a, a varied view on this podcast really helps others to see that it's not just uh, Daryl's opinion, you know, that there are so many different uh, opinions out there, and I think that will help others to see that they're not alone or everybody's sharing in some of these common thoughts or traits. So cheers, everyone, for that. Now, just to wrap up, I do want to thank two new Patreons. Uh, We have uh, Troy and Alan and Olivia. Thanks so much for joining us on Patreon. Really appreciate your support there. To everyone else, if you are wondering about our newsletter, uh, any events that we're attending or hosting, please do jump over to our website, swingingthatunder.com. You can find links to all of our social media accounts, our contact us page, etc. So if you guys are interested in signing up to the newsletter, jump over to our website and check that out. But otherwise, I hope everybody's having a great uh, middle of the year so far and uh, we'll be uh, coming back shortly with a wrap-up from our time at Naughty in New Orleans, including some audio that we actually took on the street. So until then, we will be back soon, but thank you everyone for uh, listening. Really do appreciate those iTunes reviews and of course your support as always. So until next time, guys, this is uh, Kate officially signing out and I will be back very, very soon. So thank you. Appreciate the hell out of you guys. Bye. Bye.